0: Uh, All right, we'll be talking right now to uh, Nat Williams. Nat is the guest curator at the Wonders of the South Australian Museum and Justine Van Murek is the Head of the Public Engagement for the South Australian Museum. Uh, To to both of you, uh, to Nat and uh, Justine, good afternoon and welcome. Nice to have you on the line.
1: Nice
2: to be here. Thank you. Thanks for
0: having us. Well, this is intrigued. If you've ever wondered what's stored behind the five floors of the South Australian Museum, well, there's a a new landmark exhibition. It opens in about a month's time. That'll be on Saturday the 10th of April. And the wonders from the South Australian Museum is a rare opportunity of exploring some objects from the museum's enormous collection, many of which have never been seen before in public, believe it or not. Uh, this would all be uh, part of the celebrations of the museum's 160th uh, fifth birthday that comes up in in June of this year. Uh, Annette, good afternoon to you again. Uh, as guest, a curator at the wonders of a, at the South Australia Museum, uh, just tell us the, uh, the 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 thinking behind this campaign. I, I love the idea, seeing stuff that has never been publicly displayed before.
1: Yeah. Well, Tony, I think one of the things that became clear to me when I started working on the project with the the team here um, was that uh, a lot of stuff is in storage, you know, and right from the beginning when I was looking at newspaper articles from the 19th century about the museum and into the earlier 20th century, it was talking about how the museum was never big enough. And I thought, well, that's very true, especially when you go out to um, Netley and you see thousands of objects in storage. So... It's a delight to be able to prize them out of the storage capacity and bring them into the city and make them available for free thanks to the Premier's uh, support for the exhibition. And um, people seem to be really enjoying it, which is lovely.
0: Oh yeah, I never. I, I thought everything you've got would have been displayed, even on a rotation basis. But you're saying that there are some items in that museum that'll celebrate its 165th birthday this year. For God's sake, you're saying there are some items that have never been on display.
1: There are some that have never been on display. There are some that have been infrequently on display. There are some things that were are always on display. Yeah. But my brief in doing the in this job was to not take things off display because it was a lot more work to do two exhibitions in that way to have to replace a whole lot of things. So I just went out and talked to colleagues, talked to people here at the museum, talked to the curators and collection managers and they came up with suggestions and I added a few things in and we've got ourselves, I think, a really interesting list of 165 objects of which probably three were on display and we managed to move a showcase with them in them into the display area and now the rest is all kind of from the dark into the light and uh, I think people will enjoy that sort of hidden idea.
0: I mean, you've got a, a fragment of Mars. Tell us about that which which fell to Earth in, in Egypt way back in 1911. That, that, yes. that sounds implausible, but I know it's true, but tell us about it.
1: <laughs> hey? No, it does sound implausible and so implausible was it that basically up until comparatively recently, it was believed to be the Nakla meteorite, which is where it fell, 1911, as you say, in Egypt, and the museum, as it has done many times uh, with its collection has exchanged collection material and acquired material that way, um, it got a piece of this meteorite and thought, well, that's great to have a meteorite from, you know, Egypt, et cetera. Turns out, though, after the Mars rover had actually gone to Mars and visited and done scientific analysis of the rocks, and that's in the 90s, the late 90s when that happened, it became apparent that, hang on, this Mars uh, meteorite was actually... Sorry, the, the meteorite, the NASA meteorite, was actually a small piece of Mars which had come to Earth. So I've, hold, I've held it in my hand. It's only a small fragment it's about the size of the thumbnail, and, you know, and you just sort of think, my God, that's an extraordinary thing to be able to do. <laughs>
0: from Mars and way back in 1911. Justine, yep. uh, your role as the uh, the Head of Public Engagement for the South Australian Museum. The exhibition started on uh, Saturday a couple of days ago. We'll go through the school holidays. Have you got anything specifically planned for the kids, perhaps especially kids who've uh, never been into this lovely museum of ours? Oh, Tony, there's a, a
2: huge school holiday program. There were people lined up at the front door, I think at about um, 10 to 10 this morning. They were already sort of down the door to get in, and um, we've had a wonderful group of kids in this morning who all learned how to pin insects um, so that they could present insects that they find in the same way that the museum does. Yeah. Um, we've got wonderful sessions that uh in our discovery centre where people can bring in their own wonders, so they might collect shells or rocks or things oh, really? at home. Yeah? yeah, they can bring them in, and, and you know our, our experts will identify them. Um, sessions on how to use citizen science tools like iNaturalist. To kind of see what's in your backyard There's a range of things for kids There's our, our ever popular shadow initiation Game for the older kids which is sort of a Like a tablet adventure room Escape room style game which They can sort of play running and you are Allowed to run around the museum in a very controlled Manner um, But they can sort of zoom around the museum Doing that so there's a, just an absolute um, Absolutely Huge program of, of school holiday Activities and you know there are trails For them to pick up and do there's there's colouring in at the front desk, so there's there's no shortage of things to do and, and you know, pretty much all of them are free.
0: We're talking with um, with Justine Van Murek, who's the head of public engagement for the South Australia Museum, and the uh, guest curator from the Wonders of a South Australia Museum that started on uh, on Saturday. We'll go for a couple of weeks, uh, Nat Williams. A question from Marcia to both of you: Will guided tours be available during these school holidays? Uh, loving the idea of taking the grandkids. They've never been to the South Australian Museum, but uh, Marcia's posing the question. She said. Uh, I won't know too much as to what's going on, but will guided tours be available? Um, Justine?
2: So, um, due to COVID, unfortunately, we've had to stop a lot of our face-to-face tours. Our volunteers, who we absolutely love and adore, a lot of them are uh, are quite elderly, and, and, you know, we didn't want to place them in the position of, of having to front the public. So what we've done is working with them, we've come up with a range of guided tour trails that you can just come and pick up from the desk. Um, and you can do a tour of the museum without having to know anything because that trail will help you go all, right, all your way around.
0: If you've ever wondered what's stored behind the five floors, yeah, five floors, believe it or not, of the South Australian Museum, this is a, a new landmark exhibition that started on Saturday. Uh, we'll go for, um, uh, let's see, Nat, how long will the, will the exhibition go for?
1: Uh, the show runs until the 8th
0: of August. Oh, OK, we're talking weeks and weeks and weeks.
1: Yeah, yeah, Now people have got plenty of time to come in and I'd advise them to come at least once, preferably twice or even three times because there is a lot to process and read. Every object has a story attached to it and those stories are reduced down to, you know, 100 words or so. But it's a lot of reading and enjoying, hopefully enjoyable reading. But uh, people, people, because it's free, can come as often as they like.
0: A question to you both. Uh, do you have individual favourites? Let's face it, there are thousands of items there. You go through them mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Uh, uh, Justine, uh, first of all, to you, is there a, an item in the museum uh, that will be exhibited over the next uh, umpteen number of weeks that's a, a favourite of yours? Oh, uh,
2: that's a really hard question. Um, I do. There's so many favourites, Um and for, for different reasons, I think, you know, there were some things that appealed to you visually and you think that, that kind of looked amazing. There's a fantastic shield from Papua New Guinea with the phantom on it. Um, but then there are other things that are probably less visually appealing, but when you learn about them, um, one of the last things that Nat um, and I researched was uh, what's called a squeeze, or a, it's a basically a, um, they'd go into a, a, an Egyptian carving, they would adhere a piece of paper to it, a wet piece of paper, and then take away a kind of replica of that carving, almost like a rubbing, but using wet paper. And there wasn't too much known about it, but we kind of winkled out that it, it was made in the mid-1840s by a German um, Egyptologist. And, you know, that, that just wasn't known until we kind of pulled these things out of storage. Danny,
1: is, I, think, I think what's remarkable is that the number of things that have ended up here in Adelaide. You know, like world-class objects, whether it's obvious things like opals and diamonds and gold and things like that. But there are things like one of the things that uh, I think is one of the great discoveries of the the museum in recent years is that a fellow came to the museum one day. He was on a world cruise. He boated, stopped in Port Adelaide. He caught a cab at his own expense up to the museum, came to the front desk and he said, hello, I've got a boomerang. Would somebody be interested to, to look at it? Yeah. And uh, Philip Jones, is a friend and colleague, came out, uh, who's the world's greatest expert on boomerangs, luckily, and he came out and he saw this boomerang, and luckily it had an inscription on it which said, Woomerang, uh, South Seas Island Weapon, 1831. And oh, it's geez. written on ink, and obviously an old inscription, yeah. uh, which which actually means that it's the oldest boomerang to enter any museum collection in Australia. And here it came with a Norwegian tourist who'd bought it at auction in Glasgow in 1965 and it held onto it all those years and then chose to give it to the museum.
0: Claire says uh, somebody was telling her you've got a thing called, uh, what's this, the Virgin Rainbow, and it's something or other from uh, from Cooper Pedy. Um,
1: it, it is. What's it's that? What's... The most, the most arguably the most beautiful and the most valuable um, uh, opal ever found. It's, it's, it's about the size of uh, an index finger, about as round as an index finger. It's a opalized vellum night, which is sort of like a squid that was on the bottom of the ocean, and because of the way the continent was pushed up, the sea ended up in Coober and it was dug up there some years ago and was acquired by the museum fairly recently, and it really is, it's not been seen in public before. There are other opals on, uh, on display at the museum. In fact, there's two more in the exhibition itself, which are really wonderful.
0: I mean, difficult to say. Uh, I know it's not your field of expertise, Nat. What uh, What could this virgin rainbow be worth? We're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars? Mm, more than
1: that. Tony. More than that, really? <laughs> Yeah? Yeah, put an extra note on and I oh. think you'll be getting close.
0: <laughs> right. Uh, from uh, a question for both of you, from Caroline, she said, is entry um, expensive or is it free? And is there parking available anywhere in the vicinity of the South Australian Museum down there on North Terrace?
2: Um, it is, Tony, it is absolutely free. Um, you know, I think given the last events of the last sort of year and a half, we it's really caused us, due to COVID-19, to kind of look through our own cupboards, as it were. Um, You know, usually there are a lot of international touring exhibitions going around, museums and galleries, but this is an opportunity for us to kind of look in our own backyard and see what we had that was, you know, just celebrated how fantastic our collection is and how fantastic South Australia is. Um, In terms of parking, there's certainly there's disabled parking at the rear of the building and on our website is a, a fantastic social story, which helps any visitors with access needs. Um, to navigate their way around the precinct and parking's always available right across the road in the old I'm going to say
0: John Martin's car park, but that's dating me, isn't it, (laughs) Tony? It is, actually, uh, (laughs) Justine, if you can remember Johnny's car park. You've got a question for our guest, Nat Williams. Nat is the uh, guest curator. at The Wonders of South Australian Museum that started on Saturday will go right through until Sunday the 8th of August. Entry is absolutely free. We're also talking with uh, Justine Van Murek, who's the head of the public engagement for the South Australian Museum. Yours is a question about the exhibition that started on Saturday and some of the things to be seen in this wonderful museum of ours give us a call on 8223 0000 send us a text or an email it's just on a quarter to two now
1: each week on rowey's sports show get the very latest on who's fighting fit and who's falling flat with
0: rowey's injury report
1: it's the absolute latest from both the crows and the power. Thanks to Western Hospital, the type of quality care you deserve. Westernhospital.com.au
0: Chris Jarma from Jarmer's Kitchen. You've hosted countless functions, christenings, 21st birthdays, engagements, even weddings.
1: Yes, it's all about trust, Leith, and we're very appreciative to be a part of these big family events and celebrations because we've been doing them for over 15 years. Some families have been back to the Jarmer Room multiple times. All you need to
0: do for a memorable function is ask for Chris and let him show you their facilities. Take a look at jarmaskitchen.com.au or check Facebook and Instagram.
1: If you're looking for a used vehicle, you've got to get to North Point Toyota. Their used vehicle stock is constantly changing at Hillcrest Prospect and Port Augusta. You'll get benefits like North Point Toyota's certified pre-owned program offering a range of benefits that no private seller could, like 12-month roadside assist on Toyota certified used vehicles plus 7-day exchange if you're not totally satisfied. North Point Toyota's used stock is constantly changing. It's the North Point way. Hillcrest Prospect, Port Augusta or northpointtoyota.com The pieces just came together from the enlistment form to the discharge papers signed after Gallipoli. He was my great uncle Jack the Anzac and now his story is part of mine.
0: There could be
2: more to your story too. Piece it together with Ancestry.com.au Hi, I'm Izzy and my family runs St Louis Home Care, which was started by my great-grandma over 70 years ago. Izzy, your great-grandma would be so proud, with St Louis now being one of South Australia's leading providers of home care. From check visits to shopping, meal and medication support, St Louis have it covered. And then there's the gardening, home maintenance and personal care. Don't forget the social activities. Google St Louis Home Care to find out how my family can help take care of yours.
0: If your sliding door has become a scraping, dragging, pain-in-the-butt door, get onto rollerco.com.au and get the parts you need to make it slide again. Or just call Rollerco and they'll tell you what parts you need. I guess you could try your local hardware store. If you feel like a sausage in bread. But if I were you... I'd call rollerco instead. Eight two 2554. Rollerco, we'll get you rolling.
2: Yeah, keep coming, keep coming. Left, left,
1: Barry. I am going left. Meet Bev and Barry, grey nomads with ten thousand k's on their caravan and counting. No,
2: no, the.
1: That would be right Bev.
2: Just park the van. I
1: would love if you gave me the right direction. Walker crash repairs may not be able to fix their little arguments, but they can fix their pride and joy if something does happen. Walker Crash Repairs, an RAA-approved crash repairer for caravans and cars. Do you think a concert
0: pianist needs a builder's licence? No. Does a chartered accountant need one? Uh, highly unlikely, Will. Yes, but what about a house inspector? Well, surely they need one. No. Unfortunately, there are no regulations in the industry that say you must be a builder to become a house inspector. Mike Pearl from House Inspect Australia is a third-generation licensed builder, and his team is the most qualified team in Australia for house inspections. It's the Biggest purchase decision of your
1: life, so don't risk it. Go to houseinspectaustralia.com.au.
0: Need an electrician
2: and need one today? Ken Hall Electricians do it all. From lighting, power points and appliance installation to a full house rewire.
1: No job is too big or small. Give Ken a call.
2: Ken Hall Electricians. 8364 5855.
1: Enjoy the party atmosphere every Sunday at the Jeps Cross Market with stalls, homemade treats, fresh fruit and veg, arts, crafts, bric-a-brac and more. Wallace Cinema's mainline drive-in on Main North Road from 7am every Sunday for the Jeps Cross Market. Visit wallace.com.au. Scrape your Caravan, Walker Crash Repairs, an RAA approved caravan crash repairer. This is Tony Pilkington.
0: It's uh, nearly 11 minutes to two on this ripper of a day. I mean, a great start to the uh, the school holidays for the next couple of weeks. You're organising a business conference, a wedding reception, perhaps a, a family occasion, could be a birthday, a special anniversary, a reunion of something, some kind or another, and you're looking for an ideal venue to hold it. Can I suggest the uh, the Comfort Inn Regal Park, up there at 44 Barton Terrace East, up in North Adelaide, right opposite the ladder, the parklands. Free parking is available out the back, free wide they can do um, accommodation if need be, they can do all of the catering and it's affordable and it's convenient and they really do cater for you well uh, Cecilia is the lady, Cecilia is the events manager up there you can go online, wrigglepark.com.au or better still actually give Cecilia a ring and organise a time that suits you to actually go up and have a look at the facilities yourself, kind of uh, eyeball just how good a setup it is the telephone number up there, Cecilia the events manager is eight two seven. Six seven three triple two eight two six seven three triple two, and go and have a look, see for yourself at what is a, a great conference and a, an events facility up there at the Comfort in Regal Park up at Barton Terrace East up in North Adelaide, right opposite the Parklands, lovely lovely spot. We're talking to um, Justine Van Murek, who's the head of public engagement for the South Australian Museum, and the guest curator for the Wonders of the South Australian Museum, Nat Williams. The uh, the exhibition started on uh, on Saturday last. Saturday, a couple of days ago, and goes right through until Sunday, the 8th of August. Entry is absolutely free. And I said, uh, you're seeing some stuff that has never been exhibited in the 165 years of the museum, five floors of it, and it sounds just sensational. Tell us about this offer. A couple of people have have sent us emails. Uh, The offer is to actually spend a a night in the museum. You've got to be kidding. Tell us about that, Nat.
2: Well, well, actually, it's um, Nat's unfortunately not going to be here when we do that, Tony. Uh, so I'm uh, going to have to drop no, in.
0: No, no. Go on, tell um, us about it, Justine.
2: <laughs> so our museum members um, get first access to a night at the museum, and it is it is designed for younger visitors, so yeah. sort of between about 7 and 12. But yeah. they, they bring mum or dad or grandma or grandpa yeah. or auntie or uncle with them. Um, they get to spend an entire night in the museum. They get to kind of tour around with Professor Flint, the singing paleontologist, and watch a movie in a gallery and then yeah. basically sleep in their own little tent in a gallery and then have <laughs> breakfast in the morning um, overlooking North Terrace. So that's something we do once a year. It's coming up this Friday. Um and it, yeah, it's really kind of once-in-a-lifetime experience to spend a night at the museum.
0: Well, kind of based on the movie, here's the theme from that great movie starring Robin Williams and a whole lot of other stars, A Night at the Museum. <laughs> I mean, the kids would love it. I reckon it would frighten hell out of them. They'd be as good as gold. Um, now, tell us about the fact that you've got to what is considered to be among the best in the world, a couple of the um, uh, the museum's five-mounted specimens of the uh, of the Tasmanian tiger. Is that right?
1: That's right, yes. The South Australian Museum has the best collection in the world, which is, seems unlikely, but it's true. And they are extraordinary. Um it's rather touching and sad to see them. There's a beautiful pair, a sort of mother and, and, and junior yeah. uh, uh, cub, sort of, which, you know, they've been beautifully taxidermied. But what happens to anything if you expose it to even small amounts of light over time is they fade. So, sitting in the showcase that's adjacent to the beautifully prepared specimen, there's a thylacine pelt that has never been exhibited and never been displayed. And the difference in colour is quite remarkable. I didn't know this until I saw it at the museum, but, you know, when people say they think they've seen a thylacine, what they think they've seen is something that looks like what we mentally picture as a thylacine, sort of light, sandy-coloured background with a sort of lightish brown on top. When you actually see the real skin, it's incredibly dark um, uh, skin, it, 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 the contrast between it is really dramatic. So, for anybody that's out there hoping to, uh, and, and which would have provided the maximum sort of um, camouflage in a sort of bush situation, especially in, in you know half light, so it's kind of poignant thing But at least it gives us poise to think, along with other things in the exhibition, about extinction and what we've done in the natural world and how we must stop these
0: things happening into the future. Uh, Nat, you you talk about uh, you know, the Tasmanian tiger. Whales have always been an important part of the museum's collection. Is that right? Absolutely. The museum has collected whales since the very beginning of
1: its existence, and still does. When there are strandings, accidental strandings, the museum will get a call. You know, there's one. Uh, there's the first thing you see virtually when you come into the exhibition is a female's uh, a female sperm whale head, not fully grown, and it's. Big. It's a couple of meters long, uh, and you realise, my God, that's how big they are. And it was from a stranding at Ardrossan uh, some years ago. And uh, from that stranding, uh, one of the other things that came from it was some ambergris, and ambergris is essentially whale poo, um, which is you think, oh, that doesn't sound very nice. Um, but what happens is when the ambergris gets in, it basically it's a plug that forms inside the whale gut and it protects the gut from squid beaks and things like that that it can't digest. And when it gets into the environment, uh, it floats in the water, it's lighter than, you know it's a sort of waxy substance and it floats and they call it floating gold because it is used still in very high-end expensive perfume. And we've worked with a perfumier from Sydney in fact who is actually tincturing some ambergris and turning it into a smell for the exhibition so people will not only be able to see the best collection on display in a showcase with other whale material, but also be able to smell what the poo transforms into over time. Thank God it doesn't smell like
0: what it did. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. You'd have nobody there. It's uh, <laughs> just a little after five minutes to two. Justine, even though the exhibition, and it sounds great, goes right through until till August, as you say, started on Saturday, goes through until Sunday, the 8th of August, what if somebody for whatever reason couldn't get there, couldn't get to the museum, are there uh, other initiatives, other alternatives available?
2: Oh, there absolutely are, coding and, and since the COVID-19 pandemic, our website is now home to a huge range of video content. So everything from our Young Explorers program, which is for three- to five-year-olds, um, which you can do, you know, parents and grandparents can sing along at home with the kids, um, and then there's, you know, videos for kids on activities that they can do at home, and then we're, we're in the midst of making a series of um of more videos, collection care and collection affection, where our collection managers, Matt, and others talk about objects in our collection. Um, there will be Auslan interpretive videos for those who are um, hearing impaired. Um, right. So basically, we're just sort of adding to that a range of things. And also, more recently, we created a museum podcast um, for those who are of the podcast persuasion. And um, that, you know, half our really in-depth Topics um, about the museum collections, and that
0: and that's all available online for free. All right, Nat. Um, a question from Marcella. She said, that "Anything at all to do with Captain Cook in the uh, in the exhibition for the next few months?"
1: Yeah, well, there is actually. There's a fabulously rare book which is um, made by a Scotsman in, in London. Actually, called uh, it's referred to in the book trade and library world as a, a tarp cloth book. So basically. After Cook's voyages, with each voyage sequentially through the Pacific, Cook brought back more and more tapa cloth, which is a kind of uh, cloth made from the bark of trees by people all throughout the Pacific and into Melanesia, and then it's beautifully patterned and painted and used for everything, from wrapping newborn babies to wrapping the dead to using for candle wicks, a whole range of things. Quite extraordinary. And the museum's collection is fabulous. Oh. But this fellow thought up the idea of, we chop up these pieces of large tarmacops into small page-sized pieces. We'll bind them up into a book, and then we can sell them. Now, there's 66 known copies of these very beautiful books, each one being unique, in a sense, because the cuttings from each page are different. Um, so, basically, you end up with one, uh, 66 books in the world. There are three in Adelaide, one in the museum, one in the State Library, and one in the Royal Geographical Society, which is fantastic. These books now, there's one on the market, I think it's selling for $350,000. So sometimes these things which have been in the collection, I think this one came in about 1911 or something, you know, they, they really have extraordinary value as world heritage items, not just South Australian.
0: Oh, wowee. Now, thank you for the time this afternoon, Justine, to you too. Congratulations. I said the exhibition started on Saturday. We'll go right through until August. And I said it's the the South Australia Museum showing uh, all sorts of things, some of most of which have never, ever been seen before in public. All right. It sounds like a fascinating way to spend a, an afternoon or even a day, especially while the kids are on holidays after two o'clock,